the move. Blasted towards goal. Cenku Jack got it there. Cenku Jack's first goal in AFL footy. He looks brilliant. Wingard. Spinning move was superb. How good that time to look over his shoulder. Jack Wingard, brilliant. Simply brilliant. That Brockman by hand. More, more. Bends it. Nails it. The Hawks are up by three goals. Grabs the jumper. Welcome back to the Hawthorne Fancast episode number two. Today we're going to be reviewing the Hawthorne versus Geelong Easter Monday clash and also previewing the Hawthorne versus GWS game in Gather Round. Welcome, James. Welcome, Matt. And I mean, it was so much easier last week to come off and record it after a win and be all happy and, and whatnot. And obviously, we're going to record last night after the game. And I think it was just that little bit too raw, wasn't it? A little bit too raw, I think. Just uh, giving it a day just to let the emotions simmer a little bit and get some more clarity of thought and we're, we're into it today. I can't help but almost feel confused by the events of yesterday. We had a really good first half where we kind of just jumped out of the block, similar, similar to how we did last year on Easter Monday where we kicked the first three goals. They hadn't had a possession of the footy. Obviously, this time was a little bit different. We had the first three, could have been four, if it wasn't for a Brockman miss, and we looked right on top until half time. Yeah, there seems to be a lot made about starting the game strongly, but that's not really been our issue this season. To no. be honest with you, the the biggest issue I've had from definitely being at the grounds was the disappointment of having the game over at three quarter time and just not being even in the contest. Our third quarters have been absolutely terrible this year, and it's something we're going to need to address in the coming weeks if we're going to have a chance in any of these games. So what happened? What happened? We're up by nine at halftime probably didn't make the most of our opportunities early there was a few uh, missed goals and I know Cam McKenzie had one Tyler Brockman had one Connor McDonald had a few that he sprayed um, and we, it really felt like we should have been up by about five goals at halftime I'm glad you started with that point rather than just the second half I think our first sort of massive negative to come out of the game is how little we put scoreboard pressure on when we were yeah. up when we were up because the first half, we were well and truly on top of them. We just couldn't finish off the chances. We lacked a little bit of class just to finish off those chances. And I reckon if we had to put more scoreboard pressure on them, it would have been a lot better. You know, the Brockman miss was huge. Uh, would have put us four goals up to start the game. 25 to nil. Yeah, it would have, been, would have been massive for us to just have that little bit more of a buffer. We missed uh, another couple of shots. I know McKenzie had a set shot not too long afterwards. Uh, uh, McDonald missed a snap, about 30 out right in front as well. Like, there's just those key moments you look back on, you're like, oh, maybe those couple of goals just would have put a bit more pressure on them. I don't think it would have changed the result, to be honest with you. You have to play four quarters to win a game, but it is important to recognize that when just not scoring enough when we're on top of things, when the momentum's up. I mean, we we were in front for more the, of the game than Geelong were when I was looking today on the AFL Lab. I think for 61 minutes, we were actually on top of them. Um, and that just believe, shows... Yeah, and the biggest lead we got out to was like 19 points. And they were able to put on, you know really 10 goals in the space of what felt like 10 minutes at one point. I do kind of think if we did make the most of our opportunities, I think we still would have lost the game. Obviously, we saw how Geelong responded in the third quarter, yep. the, the whole second half, really. I just think that, obviously, Tyler Brockman could have put us 25 in the lot. We had chances to put us more than that 2-3 goal buffer, which makes it a little bit harder for the opposition to steamroll and come back that it could have been a tighter contest 
had we been up by a bit more on halftime. Do you agree or do you think the game just totally changed and it was going to happen anyway? No, I think momentum swings always happen in footy and we should be able to send the flow a lot quicker than what we did. Uh, The biggest issue this whole season is obviously our third quarter has been terrible, but also our ability just to stem flows when when, uh, the opposition gets a run on and kicks, you know, eight, seven, ten goals in a row. How do we find that just one goal just to shift the momentum again we, we couldn't even get it near our 50 that whole third quarter it wasn't just that we're conceding i mean you look at a stat here we out of i think it was out of 22 entries in the third quarter we conceded out of 15 of them so we struggled and and we only got one inside 50 for that whole quarter and obviously scored zero goals it just we didn't even have a chance i think the more important stat there though matt is we were up in the first half 24 to 10 in clearances yeah and the yeah. thing that really shot our chances was the fact every time geelong scored in the third quarter, it was just coming out of the midfield right back into their forward line. They were scoring again. Our midfield showed no competitiveness to what they had in the first half. It was just a completely different Hawthorne team and a completely different Geelong team. And that's true. I mean, they did get us on top of us in that midfield battle and start getting a lot of entries. But the other issue is, is even when the ball comes in, we should be able to kill some of those balls. I mean, they were taking chess marks in the pocket. I mean, we were, we were up on the... Uh, on that side of the ground, just watching them take yeah. mark after mark after mark. You know, Brad Close and Henry and obviously Cameron destroyed us from pretty much the start of the game. But it was just a little bit too easy. You'd like to see us be able to shut down those a little bit better and just maybe force some stoppages, settle the game a bit more. But the ball was just going in and out and back in. And yeah, the midfielders did struggle a lot in that quarter. So how do we address our third quarters? We have kicked one goal in all... Out of all the games we've played this year, we've only kicked one goal in three in third quarters combined. It's a hard question to answer because it's been a different issue each time in the third quarter. So the yeah. f- for the first two games where we had those really bad third quarters, and probably last week was a bit, you know, just missed opportunities, um, it was more of a transition thing where we just couldn't stop the other team from just transitioning fully against us. And I think that's work rate. And it might have been similar yesterday. I mean... We got smashed in contested footy. I looked at the uh, sprint efforts today, which is a really random stat to look at, but we're actually on top at half time. We lost by 50 in the end. So they completely outworked us in that second half. So I think it's got to do with intent work rate. Obviously, a bit of on-field leadership always helps as well. We're going to be able to throw another player back there. But the way the second half played out, it was pretty much just the ball was thrown up in the middle. They win the clearance. They get it in. They take a mark. So one-on-one, our defenders weren't crash hot. And I don't think any defender other than maybe Jarman Ipi actually had a good game in the end. So... I don't know if there's much they could have addressed. And I think even if you look at Sam Mitchell's press conference, even he was a bit at yeah. uh, loss for words. I don't know if I like that too much. He obviously said that we didn't really have any answers. Nah, but, but he was kind of right. Like, what can you do if they're just losing one-on-ones in the air? You know, maybe you chuck an extra couple of numbers behind the ball, but then you can't get it down to 50 because, you you know, they're just creating a ring around the edge. I mean, it's, it's really a hard one when you're not winning the contested footy. Are you a glass half full or a glass half empty? I'm a glass half full. Yeah, I... Based on that first half and then mm-hmm. when what... Yep. You, what we showed if we can do that for a long period of time and for three, four quarters, we probably win a lot of games of footy. Is it a matter of the young, our young side getting just more legs and, and just more games into them so they can run out games? Yeah, and mental fortitude as well to be able to handle yeah. those adversity moments. I mean, the reason why I'm a glass half full is because we played a half against the reigning premiers where we genuinely looked like the better team. We probably should have been four or five goals up. That's why I'm a glass half full because I know what we're capable of as a team. We have the players. I, I honestly believe that. I know a lot of people are making me deal about the players. I think it's just finding a game plan that suits them right now and being getting another 20, 30, 40 games in these kids 
getting that synergy built, getting that mental fortitude built, leadership, all those things that you can't measure by statistics. But we've got talent on the list. Like we showed them that we could out-talent them in some areas of the game. I mean, if it hadn't been for Jeremy Cameron, they wouldn't have been in the game in halftime. 100%. I think he had a hand in all of their goals up to halftime uh, in all four goals. Kick three, gave one to Max Holmes directly in front of goal. And he just looked like the difference um, between both sides at that point as well. He was really keeping Geelong in the game. But we will talk about players. I want your three best. We'll stick with the positives to start with. I want your three best uh, from yesterday. My three best. I mean, there was one that stood above the rest for me, and that was Will Day. Who we won't have for two weeks, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Will Day, three back-to-back MVPs for Hawthorne. Yeah. It's been now. Um Fantastic move into the midfield. I'm really happy for him. I think thought he tried his hardest all day. Uh, the second one I'd probably say would be um, Luke Bruce. I mean, in a day where our forwards were literally starved for a half, to still find three goals, 16 touches, and have the equal highest marks on the ground is a really impressive stat for him. And I, I called it last week. I said that he was going to be the one to kick he a did, bag. He did. He did. Um, well, he kicked half our score. Right, he did. Uh, and if we had had more inside 50s, which I said was the key to winning, which we did get smashed in the second half, um, then I reckon he would have kicked, kicked a lot more than that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that was an issue. And then my third, I reckon it was Jarman Impey because the defense was under siege. And, I, and I've been a bit of a basher of Jarman Impey's last couple of years, just not really showing the form I, I used to see of him. Uh, but I actually thought he tried hard yesterday in a day where our, for, our back line had a really, really, really dirty day. I've got the same votes as you, except I'm giving one vote to Lloyd Meek. Normally I rate players on where they were when the game was in the balance. And it probably was in the balance in the third quarter, okay. arguably. Yep. But I reckon at the start, he set the tone for our competitiveness, for our hunger around the ball, for our tackling. Like, he was, he showed a real physical presence. And he that first quarter especially, he really got us going. Yeah, it, it's fair. I The only reason why I didn't have him there, because I thought he had his best half of Hawthorne in the first half, yep. was because he got he absolutely smashed in that third quarter in the center clearances. I think he had, like... I don't remember seeing a stat, maybe like seven hitouts in the whole second half or something I like that. I think he had seven hitouts for the game, didn't he? Right. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's just all then. And, and that's just not good enough. Like, you have to be really competitive, especially when a midfield starts getting bashed around. Um, yeah, I thought he could have had a little bit better in the second half. But look, it's really hard when the whole team is having a bad second half. And I have to remember as well, um, and I think the listeners would probably agree, is that some of these players, they're just really, really young. Like, we forget that sometimes. Yeah. That what's he played? I don't know how many games he's played, but I, you give a lot of, like, um, slack like to those kind games. of players. You know, like, I don't give the same amount of slack to, like, a Sicily or Bruce or an MP because they're older players that have been playing for years. Yeah. But a Lloyd Meek or a Cam McKenzie or a Will Day or a Jai Newcomb, like, they're, they're just young boys. And who were the three worst? That's a good question. I haven't really thought too much about this, actually. Oh, uh, do you want me to give you mine? Yeah, you go first. So... And this guy just has not played one good game all year. Are you going to say Reeves? Yeah. I think Max yeah. Lynch okay. will be in for him almost confirmed next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he brings a forward craft. He was really good for Box Hill on the weekend. Probably a straight swap. I think Reeves was just poor. He didn't take one mark. I was about to say that. Didn't take one mark. How tall is he? It's like 200 and... He has, a, he has two heads on everyone. 3,000 centimetres tall and he can't take one grab. Oh. Like, it, it's just not good enough for an AFL level. taken like four marks for the year or yeah. something. Stupid thing like that. Yeah, it's worrying. For his height. Like, he was competitive last week. We gave him the pass because he brought some balls to ground. Not just last week. If you compare his last Easter Monday game, the one where he did his shoulder. That was like his best quarter for the club. Like, it's a really big step back. And, like, Reece Stanley and, what, Blitzards, they're not quite ruckman. And that's the thing. 
And, and, and it's more of a Meek issue than a Reeves issue, but Reeves Stanley's not a tap ruckman. He's good around the ground. Right. So yeah, he's if, a Meek, if our rucks are getting slaughtered, I think Reeves won the total hitouts for the day. Yeah, because he I has to. I think we still got outclassed in the ruck in the second half. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I know, and I think you're, you're doing well by putting this into context of not just this game. His whole season's been yeah. underwhelming. Um, in a season we thought he might he could break out legitimately after having a pretty interrupted season last season, but it and almost the best looks like our was Max Lynch just had a perfect game almost for Box Hill on the weekend. Yeah, Max Lynch has always been an odd one for me since coming to the club because I've seen some good things when I haven't seen enough from him, and I think now it's his time to get back in the team. I mean, yeah. he had a he had a blinder in that uh in that uh, uh what's it called the open I guess you could say before the yeah. Yeah, and curtain raiser. That's the what I was looking for. Raiser. The curtain raiser before the AFL game. I was really happy for for Maxi Lynch. He had a, the worst ruck, uh, worst luck, worst luck <laughs> La- last year. Um, so it's good to see him having a probably an opportunity this week. I- I'd say Reeves needs a rest, get some form back in box. He'll earn your spot because we don't want just because we're young, just giving players a go for no reason. And I know we'll get onto that more when we go over selection yep. committee, but um, match committee, but um, yeah. My next one, and he didn't even have the worst game. There was probably people a little bit worse than him. But Finn McGuinness, yeah. I don't see the use of playing him if he's not going to tag. That's his one would. Didn't look to go to anyone. He might have had a bit of a role on Stengel. Kind of, I think Stengel only kicked two goals. Still, probably not the right player to tag anyways. Um, I don't know if it would have made much of a difference had he tagged Stengel or not? No. Nah, I'll cut in for a second here because I think that was, the, for me, the biggest blunder of Sam Mitchell's selection this week is we're tagging Stengel out of all players. Like, Finn's supposed to go with their dominant player if they, if we're versing a really Think dominant player. Think about it, though. We, we didn't even have him in our selection last week for this primary reason that we were tagging a small forward. He's useless, first of all, apart from tagging. Yeah. And, and, I, and you know, I've, I've been big raps of Finn. I think he's a great tagger, but... He's just turning into a little bit of a one-trick pony, and when Plan B starts starts heading, he's anonymous. Well, we've pretty much answered this question from Hawkthorn. Thanks for getting your questions in. He said, or they said, what are your thoughts on McGuinness when he doesn't have a tag role? Should he be in our best 22 when he isn't tagging? And the answer is no. Yeah, good segue there. Nah. Yeah. I mean, I thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Sam Mitchell originally had him in that tagging role at Box Hill to see the running patterns and, you know, of mid. So then when he, you know, could learn the craft, he'd been okay mid. But right now it seems like that's just become his permanent role. And yes, it's a great role player, but in a game where they didn't have a recognisable player you could tag, uh, it was a wrong decision. They did, but they didn't. They didn't have have a right fit for him. Stewart and Cameron, they were the two players last week in the match, in the opposition analysis that we said, if we shut down those two players... We probably win the game. I don't know now, if he's if ever tagged sh- anyone outside the midfield that's actually worked out well. Like he tagged Papley a couple no, weeks but ago. He couldn't have tagged Cameron or Stewart. He he's not built like that. Right. I mean, I guess he could have tagged Stewart based on body types, but you know, Cameron, no. I mean, that's no. you don't tag key forwards. The key defenders lock them down. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a wrong decision. I, I don't think he plays next week, uh, but we'll get to that later, obviously. And um, I I think it's a good call. Finn Finn's had a he had a shocker. My weekend. last one. It's unfair because he shouldn't even be playing on him in the first place. Is James Sicily? Yeah, Probably you name exact name three. I wouldn't mention the worst game he's played all year, but he's playing on the best play, arguably the best player in the league. I feel like if Jeremy Cameron doesn't play yes uh, yesterday, I know they killed us in the second half. Yeah, do Geelong win? Are they won by 
82 points. I'm going to say yes still. I, I, and I know what you mean because, yes, they probably wouldn't have been in the game and they might have been down on morale and they just don't come back in that second half. But I can't give us the credit to say that one player made the massive like a difference at, from an 89-point loss. He kept a minute in the first half. I know, but you know, I, I don't want to give us the satisfaction of Hawks fans saying, oh, if Cameron hadn't applied, yeah. we would have won. Because fair enough. it's not fair to get smashed in that many stats in the whole second half and then say, oh, if they had one key forward missing, we would have won the game. If anything... We lost the game because we didn't choose to play another key f- key defender, and we put Sicily, as you mentioned, who is a third man floater type rebound defender. He's not a one on one. No, the no, he he he's never been that kind of lockdown defender you're looking at in a play like Cameron. It was almost insulting to put Sicily on him when he Sicily doesn't even play on most key forwards. So yeah, I thought it was a completely wrong move. Um, Sicily always gives his key defenders key forwards quite a lot of space because he loves to float in the pack and take marks and things like that. So he was the wrong person for that job. Um, blank or DGB should have came in probably not DGB I would have said blank you know you could have given a roll to him and then freeze up Sicily freeze up Scrimshaw and we have more defensive stability back there instead of playing like a Finn McGuinness back there who's pretty much you know dead meat as soon as the ball hits the ground do you think last week's win was almost a negative towards Easter Monday based off so many players played well that there weren't enough players that we could have put on the chopping block to get dropped where a blank or a DGB, who we did say in last week's podcast, probably needed to be picked in this game, but we really couldn't find a position or a player to swap out for them. Or do you think it was because Box Hill also didn't play last week? Bit of both, because we couldn't see those guys right. form. So there's no, there's, you know, because the reason why we're talking about changes now is because you saw Box Hill's massive win beforehand, yeah. and now you have players to bring in. Last week, we didn't have any to bring in, really. I mean, I still thought but Blank should have come in. But we still needed a tall person to nullify yeah. Hawkins and Cameron. We knew Hawkins was yeah. out of form, but he's still taking a man. He's yeah. still... The reason... If, if DGB or Blank plays, Frost, who I said last week's podcast is probably more suited to Cameron to, due to the nimbleness and mm-hmm. the height and just the athleticism, uh, would be very well suited to Cameron. Frost was very well suited to Cameron. Yeah. I also think, you know, when you're looking at putting games and the young guys and things like that, like one of Blank or DGB kind of has to play. Like they're not yeah. going to get any better from toiling away in a bye week in Box Hill. So I, I thought, and, and I was I was really against Blank's game against Sydney. I thought he had a shocker on Amadi and, uh, and McDonald, but I thought he should have played yesterday. Well, I do have a question coming in from Todd Davey. He said, when do you start to panic about DGB or are you keeping calm on him? I'm Obviously he can't calm. get a game at the moment mm-hmm. and we're in this kind of situation where we probably aren't as tall in defence as we'd like to be? Um, my answer's probably changed over like the last six months. I'm actually keeping calm. I think what they're doing with him right now is the right thing, yeah. is putting him in Box Hill, get some form back, remember why we draft you in the first place, and then when your time's come, we'll put you back in and put, make it a less of a task for you. We're handling okay without him generally, Somewhat. I guess, so... You know, I, I think he needs Ernie Stripes back. He didn't have a good enough preseason. He was getting towed up in intra-club game even. So, I think it, they've made the right call. And, and DGB will get his chance again. I can almost guarantee you that. So, stay true to him, I think, for now. Assess him at the end of the year. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to throw in the towel with a pick no, for sure. seven or whatever. He has struggled at AFL level, but there is enough there yeah. with him to yeah. say that given time, given some put on a bit of weight, yeah, uh, get him into some form at Box Hill, and I think he will be okay. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? Because we're yeah. a team that concedes so many inside fifties that you're going to have like off games, and it's, the, the ball's coming in thick and fast. Like I feel sorry for our defenders, especially in that third quarter. The ball is just flying in there. Now, let alone the defenders didn't actually do themselves much favors and kill a lot of those balls. They were 
you mean chest mark and half under the pocket. So the the setup is wrong, and that's more maybe of a Kate Simpson issue than the, yeah. the individual defenders. But um, but yeah, I, I feel sorry for young key defenders who have to come in and play on the likes of Hawkins and Cameron. I don't think you should have played this weekend. I thought Blank was more better suited body type. Um, but if there's someone like you know McDonald, he could have played on a couple of weeks ago or mm-hmm. a Marty. Like he would have been, I think, well matched them. So. Uh, yeah, he'll only stripes. Don't worry too much, uh, Hawks fans. I reckon he'll actually show some form at one point this year. Now, we do have a fair bit of housekeeping after this game. Um, and two incidents. The first one was Lloyd Meek got cleared off a kneeing incident, as we saw, I think it was in the first quarter, against Mark Blitzarves. Mm-hmm. What did you make of the incident? What, Meek's incident? Yeah. I didn't see much into it. What, he no. lifts his knee up and he got a corky or something or need to so be nuts or is that wrong for what Meek did is it yeah. against the spirit of the um, game yeah, of course is it's it... wrong I mean he lifts his leg up I mean I know there's people going to justify like oh Blitzers came in early and like yeah whatever like it's in the heat of the moment who cares like but the AFL has stated that's a reportable offence right and they gave him a fine for it yeah so they technically reported him my argument to that and the reason why I don't think Meek got a week mm-hmm. is that Blitzers crossed that line yeah. to stop Meek from jumping. So that knee was always going to go up to jump. But Blitzarves has charged at Meek. And, yeah. and if you're going to do stupid shit like that, well, of course you're going to get need. You're crossing that line. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to go into all the semantics of, you know, what this person did this and then he did this, you know. Like, yeah. At the end of the day, he need him in the ribs. So it's... Like, it's all, was it? Yeah. Whatever, wherever it is. He need him. So it's going to be like a fine. But uh, I'm glad that the MRO used common sense and just gave him a fine and not a winning Oh, weeks. the MRO used common sense, did they? There's another incident we need to talk about. Yeah, well, we'll get on to that one. But but as for Meek's incident, um, I was yeah, they're fine. Like, whatever. Who cares? So we saw Will Day... Got off shocker. two weeks. Absolute, Gary Rowan Absolute won. shocker. Absolute shocker. He had the ball as well. Gary Rowan, he just flying CJ around on the defensive... Oh, it, it was ridiculous when I saw that CJ today. CJ probably didn't quite get that the same head impact as... Uh, but both players played in the game. I mean, yeah. what, what are they going to classify it? What are they classified as? What severe impact? He, he can't because Brad Close got up straight away and walked off. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine. You know, I... It's pretty ridiculous, I think, some of these Same calls. Incident. It's so grey area, you know. It's It needs to be a bit more black and white than... than and it hurts as well. It does hurt. He's been our best player. MVP back to back to back. For the season. We're, yeah. we're used to them, aren't we? But, um, mm. yeah, I don't know. that. To me, they seem like similar incidents. I don't know why they were graded differently and why one got a week and one got two weeks. Um, almost seems like a bit of FU to us. I don't know what for. Um, and, b- and before we move on, because I know we're about to move on to the next game, I just wanted to talk about probably our, what I see as our season so far in terms of our difficulties. I mean, the one thing that clearly stands out for me again is our lack of ability to get the ball inside of our 50. Because I think we're actually quite potent when we get in there. Obviously, maybe on the weekend we weren't very efficient. But I really just want to see us be able to play a game style where we can actually get it forward more. Because once we were able to lock it in there in the first half, which were winning inside 50s in the first half, I think by like 10 or something like that, we were doing okay. But our consistency across the game, it feels like once we're stuck in our defensive half, we just can't move the ball. So we're going to need to find some solutions to that because at the end of the day, we only had 38 in stuff it is for the game. I think we had 30 at halftime. We had eight for the whole second half. Yeah. You're never even going to get... like We could have scored in every single inside 50 in the second half and we still would have lost the game. That well, shows how bad our ability to move the ball is right now. And it was laughable because I think we had that one in the in the third quarter, Conor McDonald hit up Asava Radaglia when we had about three Hawthorne players streaming forward to go to goal. It was 
just not executed well. And the team defense as well is a bit of an issue for me. I mean, I, I haven't really gone back and looked at all the stats, but we conceded 18 marks inside 50 this game. Mm-hmm. 18 marks. Like, you, you're just never going to win with that. No I mean, way. That's 18 sh- genuine chances of goal. And I will make a mention that I thought Frost was had a really poor game in terms of, like, I thought his first half was good and he did some good things, but you're playing on a one-legged Hawkins. You got 10 times more pace than he ever has. And he was—he got so much separation so many times it actually was starting to infuriate me. I thought that Frost could really tail up Hawkins, and there was a couple of, like nice little marks that Hawkins took in that third quarter. But overall, he, I think Hawkins had something like ten marks or something like that. If I'm—I I can't remember if I'm reading that properly, but he—he he tailed Frost up, and he has had a really really average season to date. So I was a bit disappointed in, in Frost's game. Oh, sorry, Matt. I want to put this game in the rearview mirror and not look back. Fair enough. Let's do it. So we'll go to next weekend on Sunday 320 our last free to air game for indefinitely because obviously uh, the fixture the floating fixture in gather round as well but it's in gather round it's in Norwood we're playing at a suburban oval maybe uh, they'll make the box Hill that? plays uh, North Adelaide I think at the parade so nowhere so nowhere no. okay. um, whole round's in nowhere it is gather round it is in Adelaide it is in Sunday 320 Hawthorne Giants winnable yeah, they're bro- they're a bogey team though. If we don't beat them, I mean, I feel like we beat them just not at their own stadium. That's true. I mean, we we had a nice win with Jai kicked the winner against at the G a couple of years ago. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah Norwood. So uh, this will be different. I mean, look, going to this week's game, we're gonna have to make some changes, right? And I, Sam has already alluded to this when I watched him on three sixty last night as well. He said it in his presser as well. He's gonna make changes. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, we're, we're, it's gonna be coming. What are you thinking? Well, we already discussed before Lynch. Max Lynch almost definitely comes in mm-hmm. for Ned Reeves. Mm-hmm. He would have come in for Meek had Meek copped a week. Okay. Um, I think he comes in no matter what. Okay. But now Day's out. And I, I didn't really think he was going to be suspended for a week, let alone two. Yeah, that um, makes new challenge. Which a week, week is probably fair, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think he'd get to. So, obviously, another force change. So, you're going Lynchy in first. So, I'm going Lynchy. For who? For um for Reeves, for Reeves just yep. hasn't. You're locking Reeves out. Yep, enough's yep. enough. Four rounds in, hasn't taken any more than one mark in a game. He's gone mm-hmm. this week. Fair enough. I agree with you on that one. Who else? Now, Day's an interesting one. He comes out. Do we bring in another midfielder? No. You're saying no. Mm. I reckon. I reckon that's very um controversial. I'd say, and, and I'll give my reason. Because I feel like we're playing a lot of mids off the half forward flank, and there's a lot of club. The clubs do it. I get it as well. And a couple on the wing. I just want to see us try some a bit more of a consistent center bounce uh structure, structure yeah, yeah. players going in and out i mean i don't know how much mckenzie had this game i thought i had it up before but it's not even mckenzie it's the swapping of newcomb and warple um in the forward line so newcomb will have a stint in the forward line and then warple will have a stint in the forward line but yeah i don't even know if they're i'd like to see the stat of how many center bounce appearances there or attendances they're having together yeah, like you try things, but then, you know, you have to find positions for these players as well. Like, how can they develop any cohesion or consistency if you're just changing them all the time? I mean, McKenzie only had two center bounce attendances. Like, can we try someone else when we've just lost like four or five center bounce atten- uh, center bounces in a row in the third quarter? Could Moore have gone in? Could Wingard have gone in for a couple? Or could McKenzie have gone in for a couple? Because it felt like it was just the same combination, like a Nash and a Newcomb and a, you know, a Ward or whatever for a five or six or seven centre bounce tenses in a row. So, yeah, I, I'm going to say no to the midfield bringing you midfield. I don't think anyone other than maybe Ned Long deserves to play. 
yep. he could play. I'm going to say maybe one more week at Box Hill for him. What do you think? Well, these are the players for Box Hill that stood out to me yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think Stevens. Uh, he no. on the stats sheet, maybe not, but I thought he was pretty good. You think he did enough though? Really? To get an AFL selection? It's out of him or long for that if they choose to go for a midfield. Well, it's going to be long then because he got, what, 30 touches and had, I reckon, a significantly better game than Stevens did. DGB was pretty good. He was pretty good. Sam Butler was good. Kicked four. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Bramble? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big big fan of Bramble still. I think that he's got a future in AFL. I mean, from what I watched of the game, I thought he had a good game as well, but who would he come in for? I mean, I'd be bringing in a Seamus Mitchell or Josh Morris oh, really? to see what they would do first. Okay. So you're going... The changes you're making... Are you making any more changes, actually? McGuinness. Wing guys is McGuinness and maybe Brockman out too to give Butler another go. Ah, so you're, you're giving up Brockman after one game. And I loved him on uh, in round three. And <laughs> you gave him all your three votes last week and then this week you give him the sack. Yeah. <laughs> We're a bit harsh on the Hawthorne fan cast, aren't we? Oh, yeah, I don't know about me. I yeah. think you are. <laughs> I mean, sorry, does Wingard come back then if yeah. Brockman's out? Yeah, Wingard plays. So Wingard's in for Brockman. Finn's out for... I'm going to say Butler. And Reeves is out for... Lynch. Lynch, okay. And yeah, that's fair enough. I guess. Yeah, I think that... And then, the same Ned, and then Long... <laughs> not not be, Brockman, though. Long will be the sub. Yeah, Long will be the sub. Okay. Do you reckon that's the right kind of sub, though? Better runner, yeah, he's maybe? He's a, mid- I mean, I don't know, he's a good, he's a good runner. He's just not fast. Yeah. There the could be more outs, though, I reckon. Yeah. DG, the way he's allude to it, there could be more. DGB or Blank could come in just for a different kind of defensive structure. Then who take out for them? That's the thing. There's there's not really a defender that is warranted to be taken Here's out. a question for you regarding midfielders. If you want to bring an extra midfielder, why won't you just play C-Mac more in the middle? Is it time that we unleash him in the midfield? Because this guy's been toiling away in the half-forward flank for a season and a quarter now. And I feel like he just is a bit anonymous in a lot of games these days. He pops up for a goal to maybe gets his 10 to 15 touches. I really want to see what he's capable of. I like the, the way you think. How do we inject Connor McDonald into the into the game? He always Easy. floating now around. Days out. Now put him in there. So how, so how do we go? He gets about one centre bounce attendance every week. Yeah, why? Like, so why can't he have... Why just a the one? a small sample size to see how he goes. Yeah. Like... Uh, Agreed. Yeah, I reckon this is a good chance to, to give C-Mac more minutes. And right. even maybe rotate more for out there games. I love more. I really do. I think he's a barometer of our team. And he's the one that really gets us going. So, um, yeah, with, with Dylan Moore, I mean, we need him up forward, obviously. But... In a game like yesterday, I really reckon we could have benefited from him going to the midfield for we just get more touches on the ball. You know, mm-hmm. we win some more contested footy. Uh, does Nash hold his spot, you reckon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he, he, yeah, he had a good week the week before. He's still needed with his with his size. But obviously, yeah. if you do bring Ned Long in, that's kind of like for like, isn't it? Yeah. But if you take Finn out, you still got Nash as the big body guy in there that can be a bit defensive. I reckon it's time that we, we, we ditch the tag this week and, and just yeah, go in. I know that he could tag Cali or green and have a good game but i um i want to see us play a bit more you know not worry about them and just play our footy mm-hmm. and try and win some ball ourselves rather than just worrying about one or two players on the whole team i think green's definitely one to worry about but hardwick will just take that job like he would i'm talking about tom other. green you know that yeah. right oh tom green mm. he yeah has, he's go look guy. at the stats he's actually been killing it for giants and everyone's everyone's gonna be on you know toby green but you know hardwick can play on him and do a job so yeah i'm not really to worry about toby green i'm more about you know a tom green or a josh kelly God, too many greens. How do we win on the weekend? 
I'm going to say the same thing as I said last week. We win the inside 50 count. I think you even said that before. Yeah, I did. I'm going to say it again. We need to win the inside 50 count. We need to win territory. I mean, it's footy's a simple game at the end of the day. You get the ball in your forward half more, you're more likely to win the game because you're more likely to have more shots on goal and kick more goals. At the end of the day, we haven't scored above, what, 84 points this year? Yeah, I think, yeah, something like that. But we've got three times we've had over 100 points kicked on us. I think yeah. three times we've had over 110 points kicked on us. So yeah. how are we going to score over 100 points? We've got to start winning some territory. The other thing is we've got to Turning start... Turning def- up after half-time. Yeah. yeah. Like, we, like what, what what did I say before? Eight inside just for the whole second half? It's like, you can't win like that. It's mm-hmm. impossible. Like, we've got to start being able to transition the ball better. And that comes from, I think, you know... Oh, we've got to go a bit deeper here. It's from higher pressure around the ball, winning more contested 40 like we did in the first half of the game. And also, when the ball comes in our defence having more team defense structure. So having people fly across in that third man up, spoiling yep. balls, being able to stream it out there. I mean, I know I'm saying a lot of things and it's easier said than done, but we. But if I'm going to strip it back to its basic stat, win the inside 50 count, please. Because if the ball's locked in there, in but their forward half, it? how do we win Is it? Is it just clearances? Is it midfield battle? No, nah, because the ball can go back in there. You can rebound it out. So we yeah. need to find ways to rebound it out. So I think it might that's be why about, we struggled. Yeah, and that, I think that's where a bramble and stuff might have actually been useful that game, where a blank to free up Sicily. I think it was because our best rebounders, like Sicily, was on bloody Cameron. <laughs> I think you're right, because 90% of both Finn McGuinness and Josh Ward's stats yeah. on the weekend were in the back pocket. Go check out yeah. their heat maps. Josh Ward, yeah. I, I just want to bring him up quickly. Um, obviously, we do have to move on, but... He had, what, 23, 22 touches yep. um, he got on around the, the weekend. Yep. He got a lot of the ball. How many metres gained do you reckon he got? I mean, you might actually know this. I, I actually know this because I've heard, I saw a post on Twitter and I saw it's sort of going around. Yeah, he had 90. And I know people are going to make a big deal about it, and I think you will too, but I'm going to mm-hmm. get in before you do, just so I can say my part on Josh Ward. Yeah. We talk a lot about players bombing it away to packs that aren't there, like, and then it comes right back in. I honestly think that Josh Ward, the way he plays is I see someone and I hit them straight away. Like, he doesn't he doesn't mess around with it. He doesn't try to hit, a, like, a long, dodgy target. So, yes, it is way too little. I'll, I'll say that right now. 90, 90 metres gains is ridiculous. He has to have over 300, generally. But I also don't want people to think now, oh, okay, let's just get him bombing balls up the wing into packs. Okay, but I feel like his strength is also his greatest weakness which is taking that first option or the short kick when does that change when does his game develop because that's not a very high ceiling uh, when, when 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 does that improve if you're just kicking sideways or taking that short option is that all you're offering well then another player can kick along like i, I don't think we have to go in this thing where he's to got to kick it long i'm just saying to to find and, and well that's you know me just game maybe though. there maybe there isn't a lot of other options. But I feel like he looks up, he sees that short option and he just goes for it. How much contested, um, uncontested marks do we have for the whole second half? I mean, like some ball retention is not a bad thing. So I'm not saying that by any means that Josh Ward had a good game. I, I, I honestly think that he was really well below his colours. He fumbled a lot. He got ran down a few times, which were in really crucial moments. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying he had a good game and I love Josh Ward. So obviously I'm going to defend him a little bit. But um, the main part about Josh Ward I'm trying to talk about here is we want some ball retention as well. Like the one thing I was really, I gave us good raps against when we played North Melbourne was that we were actually able to hold onto the footy, pass it around, get used to holding the ball and get, and have the other team chasing our tail. Now, if that means Josh Ward hits a 15 chip kick, I'm okay with that. But yes, he has to have more strings to his bow. We've got to see him trying to be more aggressive with his kicks as well. Um, but not, not just for the sake of it. So I don't want him to come out next week and start, you know, kicking torps down the wing. Yeah, agreed. Um, how do we improve, like, 
you're not Sam Mitchell, but if you were Sam Mitchell, I know you're the furthest thing from a footy coach, but how do we improve in the third quarters? Yeah, well, I mean, once, as I said earlier on, they've come from different issues each time, and one of them was, I mean, this one, I actually do believe he was kind of powerless to because the players just weren't winning any contested footy, but I think it's actually geeing the players up and getting them to work harder, really. Like, it's work rate. I mean, I, I said before in the sprint effort statistic, we got towed up in terms of work rate in the second half. So you've got to work hard. You've got to get more numbers around the ball. You've got to work your way to contest. I mean, that, that's how Collingwood win a lot of their balls. They get extra numbers around the ball. So if the ball's coming in defenders, those wingers got to be sprinting back to the defense straight away. And we've got to be a bit more tighter and a bit more competitive in the midfield. So, yeah, probably just being overall more competitive. I don't think there's like a quick fix in any kind of way. Like, oh, we're going to do some fancy tactic or anything like that. I think in general, it's just got to be how can you maintain the intensity? Because the intensity was really good in the first two quarters and then it dropped off. All right. So we have another question. And this one's from Mads Perez on Instagram. Mm-hmm. She said, how does Frost still get a game? She says, wouldn't you rather see DGB or blank out there learning? Now, before we get to that, I thought Frost was one of our better players yesterday. Yeah, if you, I mean... Especially in the first half. Yeah, in the first half. He let Hawkins get off the leash in the second half. I mean, I feel bad for him. Did he get the- off the leash? So he kicked two. And he might have set another one up. Yeah. I don't think he fully got off the leash. I didn't think Frost... Frost colours were truly lowered. I think Frost. No, nah, not truly lowered. Like he didn't have a shock or anything like that. I no. just, I did. I don't know. Maybe I just saw Hawkins as like a, you know, standing on one leg for the first three rounds, and he didn't have any influence. And then Frost plays on him, and he sort of plays him in a little bit of form. I mean, but thanks for your question, Mads. Generally, I don't agree. I think that we need an experienced head down there. I understand that you know fans in general. He infuriates fans because yeah. he does some really dodgy things. Give away some stupid free kicks. You know, has his little frost ball moments. But at the end of the day, you need some you need some experience out there. Like I was completely for the rebuild, and I still am. For everyone listening, I don't think we cut too deep. I think we did no. exactly what we were supposed to do to get the rebuild going. We were watching us being a mid table toiling away team for years with Amira Mitchell you know, racking up their stats and not really propelling us forward. And, uh, you know, we love them as servants for the club, but it, we do need some, still some experience out there. When we got on the list, so no, I'm not saying in that case, why don't we drop Luke Bruce for Sam Butler and Tyler Brockman? Like, no, like you have to have some balance out there as well. And, and Frost still does a job. And, you know, we forget that he had a really good game last week. So look, it's in a game where you can see that much inside fifties, all the defenders play bad, not just Frosty. I mean, no one's talking about Sicily and how much Cameron tailed him up. Mm-hmm. So... Now, are you bold enough to tip us this week? Yeah, I am actually. Yeah, oh. I saw your your eyebrows raised uh, higher quite than <laughs> yeah, quite high there. Um, yeah, I am. Oh, I've actually tipped us by ten points. I think it's a tight one, but I and and I take my tipping very seriously. I I tipped um, against Hawthorne on Easter Monday, and I I thought we we would just not be good enough for the experience outfit. But Giants actually for me are a hit and miss team, and I reckon if we bring effort and intensity this week, I reckon we could do it. It's Norwood. Neutral Who knows? Ground. Yeah, neutral. Like, I, I, I know we've had a really bad record against Giants and maybe another part of my brain wants to tip against us. But this one, I'm actually just going to give us a bit of a... I, I think we might be able to take this one out. So, I'm going to give us a tip. We'll do a little bit of oppo analysis because right, we haven't yet. But um, I'll, I'll do my tip before we go there. I think the Giants are a lot better than their win-loss tally suggests. Yeah, well, they've got close to all their opponents. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they haven't capitulated yeah. uh, I think we'll definitely need to play four quarters Essendon should have belted them though by I the amount of points they kicked I'll say that about that they'll stay they, they, I, th- I feel like they stay in games they don't go away like they beat Adelaide in round one because Adelaide dropped off 
for just a, a split second yeah. and they run past them. But Adelaide yeah. were the, probably the better team for majority of that game. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, when I was watching Adelaide, we were well on top of them. So I will say that we'll also win by 10 points. But that's oh, just the optimism. Agree I'm agreeing with you, Tib. That's the optimism in me. I feel like we have a knack for responding mm-hmm. with heavy losses. Obviously, we didn't respond to round one because we had an equally poor performance in round two. But we came out and run in round three, yes, against North Melbourne and played some pretty good footy. But if we bring a similar performance to what we had in round three, then I feel like it will still be good, too good for the Giants. Yeah. Can I actually, you know, after I've been bashing our team for the last 30 minutes, I'm going to say one thing. And I'm look, I'm really realistic of the journey we're on as a team. Yeah. And this is a slow burn. And Xavier Alice had a great Twitter <laughs> post, and I, I, I shared it with you a, yesterday. Had a Montana reference in there. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And about how much massive losses we had in that 2005 six slash period, yep. 2006 period, and you know, Ed Clark had made them listen to uh, the, the climb by Miley Cyrus. I think I might have listened to it when I was like. 10 <laughs> Do you want to give him a quick rendition of that? <laughs> Do you want to? I reckon, I reckon this is in more in your department to take no, away. No, no, it's okay. We'll save it for another day. I reckon. Yeah, maybe episode. we'll maybe we'll play <laughs> the outro music. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and I thought it was fantastic. Like we're really uh, aware of the journey one, but I actually don't think we're as bad as what we've put out this year yet. Yeah, I, I, I still agree. The team is not that much different to what we had last season. If anything, we've got some nice new additions in. Think about the opponents we've played so far. We've lost against the two teams in the grand final. And Smashed, it, but we've but but. Two of the teams out of the three we've lost to. And the other team has only lost one game. Yeah. I'm not going to mention that team because I hate that team. No. But they only lost against St. Kilda, who actually haven't lost a game. So, all I'm saying is don't be too panic stations. I go on Twitter or I go on Facebook and I just look at all these fans, you know, saying that Mitchell's the worst coach ever and then he destroyed our club and then our club's going to be down for the next 10 years, like Lee Montagna says, even though he wouldn't know what it's like to win a premiership because, you know, I've seen more premierships in the time I've been alive than he has. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, the entire club has, mind you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> one by one point. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so, um, no, I'm actually going to say that when we start playing some more average opposition, like when we played North, we we, we can be in the games. That's why I'm only tipping us by 10. It could go either way. I, we could get smashed again. But I, um, I'm i tipping us this week. So what worries you about the Giants? There's much worry you about the Giants, but we'll, we'll talk about the Giants mm-hmm. for a little bit. Or the orange team. Yeah, the <laughs> but, uh, orange team. <laughs> but, uh, Good yeah. call. Good shout. What scares you about coming up against them this week? You know, it's funny. Our midfield's been our best part of our ground. But with the Will Day out and their really good midfield. Kelly, Their Green, midfield, yeah. Green, Canelio. Kelly, Canelio. Canelio's actually found some form this year so yep. far. So, yeah, their midfield. But also um, Nick Haynes. He took 17 marks. 17 marks. I feel like he's been off. Oh, I didn't watch the game. Maybe anyway. in the previous games. All I did is look to the last game and I thought he took 70 marks. I was like, oh my wow. God. So my my sort of main thing is we have to make sure the ball hits our deck this this next game. Mainly because I reckon we're going to go in with another small forward line. I can't see us well, bringing a key forward in. So at least Lynch goes up forward <laughs> as a pinch hitter. You, so, know what Nick, yeah. <laughs> you know what Nick Haynes needs to do? What, cut he his needs, hair? No, no. Well... Yeah, you're on the right track. It needs to go to Kmart, buy a Max Gorn costume, <laughs> and just sit in defence and we'll kick it right to him. We'll kick it right to him. Haynes will get 30 marks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we yeah. Maybe, maybe we should just one of our players in a Max Gorn uh, <laughs> outfit. <laughs> maybe Reeves. <laughs> well, Reeves in it. He might actually take a contested mark. Oh, that's good gear. Uh, but yeah, I Reeves, think... if you're listening, we're really sorry, yeah. mate. We yeah. rate, we do rate you as a young guy and uh, yeah, he's just been off his We year. love your noodle and I, I think that sign that we yeah. saw the other day is probably a reference. Maybe it was like get noodle into the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. inject him in. Put him in, put him in full <laughs> forward and one out against um, Tyson Stingle. <laughs> oh. But yeah, no, nothing worries me about the Giants. Nothing worries you? No. 
Oh, say that now. We're going to be on the pod at this no, time next no, week no, saying no, how much they towed us up. I didn't finish. Nothing worries me about the Giants apart from Toby Green. No, nah, he doesn't actually for me. Really? Yeah, he's a dangerous you, little bugger. You trust Blake Hardwick with I your do. life? Yeah. yeah. I reckon just this week, Sam Mitchell gets in his ear and goes, hey, Blake, you got one job. We don't care about your stats. Don't take any kickouts. Just sit on Toby Green. Just take him to row B, mate. Just buy him annoy a him all day. Him Get him all angry. Away. Make him give away 50s and stuff like that. Worry about that because they've got not really much other players. There. I mean, they've got Hogan who can take some grabs and kick some goals. And we'll, knowing us, we'll probably play him in a form. Um, and then they've got Himmelberg, who's their bigger goal kicker. But I don't think Himmelberg's an, a massive threat compared to what we've had to face so far. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it could turn into another Marty McDonald showing. So we've got to be a bit careful about them still. But, um, yeah. And you're right about your Luke Bruce comment. Um, during the last episode about he was the one that was going to turn up on Easter Monday and he was one of the only ones that mm-hmm. did. Yeah, I was. Who were you predicting to have a big one against the Giants? Dylan Moore. Oh, now, I hope so. He he never has two bad games in a row. Mm-hmm. He tried hard on against Geelong. I, I Like, he still tried hard. No one disagrees with that. He just, I just think he had an off day because, of, you know, he was trying almost like, yeah, trying to really work his way into the game and it was, um, it was an off day for Hawthorne in general. I reckon Dylan Moore... We'll have a big one this week. I, you know, he had kicked no goals against Geelong. He, I see him getting on the board. And if Brockman plays, hopefully he gets up as well. But I'm going to go with Dylan Moore. I think he, I, I reckon he'll play some more midfield time as well. And so that's my prediction if they don't play C-Mac in there, just to maybe steady the shit without Will Day there. Well, I was going to say Will Day, but he's out. And I think putting Newcomb back into the middle, we're going like to see he's, like uh, we're gonna see his best game I like for the it because so I don't think he's had one true mid-game. True, like, A-grade game this year. Yeah, he's just been sort of a, you know, he's he's put in a shift, but he, yeah, he, I agree, he hasn't he's, showed his form from last year at all. So he's just been mid without being in the mid. Good call. Yeah. So yeah, I think Newcomb. If if Newcomb and Moore play well, well, they'll go a long way uh, to getting us the chocolates. Yeah, yeah, Newcomb and Moore. Yeah, I like it. Well, Matt. Until then, when, when, where, where can you find us? Where can you find the Hawthorne Fancast? Ah, oh, I know you're a bit of the masters of the socials, so I'll um I'll have a guess here. We're on Twitter. Because I've got, yeah, I hear yeah. we've definitely been on Twitter, uh, Instagram and Facebook right now, the other uh, ones we're on. But I've also, uh, we've also sharing the pod around yep. um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and Amazon. Yeah, that one as well. And I've just pretty much shared it to everything. So we're hopefully we're getting some good reach there and you guys are really enjoying our content because we love doing it. And, and this is our second episode. I've really enjoyed having this chat today. Well, yeah, if you come across us, give us a like, give us a follow, uh, give us a review if you like what yeah, you're listening to. Be and, great. and we're not shy of feedback as well. And um, share with the other Hawks fans as well around there. We want to connect people and um, hopefully get a really good community going where we can even, you know, meet you guys at games and uh, and just have more better discourse, even get a few of you on the pod. We are, after all, Hawthorne, the Hawthorne fan cast. So, you know, we want to get fans on here, their opinions, and keep sending your, your tweets through. Uh, they've been great, all the questions to go over and uh, make our pod a lot more interesting, having uh, other points of view, not just uh, our two biased points of views. <laughs> Well, Matt, we'll continue to ride the bumps with a grin, hopefully after a win next week. Thanks for listening, guys. We've enjoyed your time. Thanks, James. Go Hawks.